On today's Locked on Thunder podcast, we're grading the Thunder roster at the midseason point and grading your trades. Let's dive into it on today's show. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, media member, editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Thunderpod. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. And on today's show, brought to you by Game Time, go download the Game Time app, create your account, use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. We're checking in at the midseason point on this Thunder roster doing an edition of Stockwatch. With Stockwatch, we just take the 18 players on this Thunder roster and say, are they trending upwards? Are they trending down? Some players might be just hanging around, sticking right in the middle, but we're going to go through all 18 players. And then we have to grade your fake trades. We're going to do this more and more leading up to the NBA trade deadline. Who do you want to see the Thunder go out and add at the NBA trade deadline. So let's first start with Stockwatch. I think that this is a good time to do it. After this game against Utah tonight, it'll literally be the midway point of the season. Where do the Thunder sit right now? Currently, of course, uh, they're, they're playing fantastic basketball and have a great record. But on an individual basis, where do the players on this roster sit? With the Thunder, uh, 27 and 13. Uh, they're 6 and 4 in their last 10 games, just as Minnesota is. Uh, just as Denver is as well. Uh, so where are they at individually? You can start with SGA, who it's clear he's trending up. And that that is a bit of a surprise in the sense of each season that goes by, it feels you know, kind of more and more like Shea has hit his ceiling, has hit his you know big leap. And last year felt like the biggest leap he'd make and that there was no other leap to, to, to make. But I think that this year, he's he's came back and he's made another leap, and it's his playmaking. And the playmaking and the and the consistent defense that you saw last year, bleeding now into this year, leading the NBA in steals, and how he plays with a high motor on both ends, all those things have turned him into a guy who, who was you know in the conversation last year for MVP at, at number five in the vote total. Uh, but... This year, like he legitimately is, for, for many people, the leader in the clubhouse to win MVP. Part of that, of course, with Joel Embiid, you know, tracking to not actually even be eligible for it uh, if he misses a certain amount of games uh, moving forward. But still, SGA, like he has a legitimate MVP case. This is not going to be votes just to, uh, you know, prop up a good story. He'll get legitimate MVP votes and, and like legitimate votes to win the award. So he, his his stock, of course, is trending up. And then you move in, you know, let's do the starting five first and let's get into the bench. You move into Josh Giddey. Uh, I, I think that overall this season, from start to finish, his stock has to be trending downward because he just has never played this poorly in the NBA. Now, if you look at it from, you know, December 1st until right now, the stock is starting to, to climb back up a bit because he's gotten better as a team defender, he's, he's of course hitting his threes more. I think that with Josh Giddy, 
the biggest point of emphasis for him should be finishing inside the arc, figuring out ways to 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 score in the mid range and to score at the rim, because you're just never going to spoon feed Josh Giddy seven plus threes a night. Uh, and 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 if you did, his percentages would not be as good as they have been recently. So it's kind of a catch twenty two of like, yeah, he's shooting forty percent, he's doing his job, he's only getting three four shots from beyond the arc, and he's making them uh, for the most part, which is really good, and you can't take that away from him. But there's a reason why the defenses still have not adjusted to that because they're comfortable giving you four attempts and letting you shoot 40% on them, uh, you know, or five attempts and let you shoot 40% on them. You're just not going to get to that total of, um, and it's not just Josh G. Like, like, you know, you saw last year, Jay Will. Jay Will shot 40% last year. The defenses never shaded over to him, never closed down on him because while it is, it was really cool, like to, to watch Jay Will shoot the ball that well, again, Defenses are going to let him shoot 40% on two attempts from, from beyond the arc game or three attempts from beyond the arc game. It's just, it's just how it is. And it's the same thing with Josh Giddy to where you've got to find that counter punch that you can get to uh, driving into that space. And, and then once you use that space to get threes, to get mid range shots and to get to the rim, then they've got to start playing you more straight up. I think another thing that he's looked better at has been being more comfortable as a, as a, you know, live ball player now, which he had shown before. It had never been a problem until uh, this new defensive scheme that they thrown at him in Houston and, and in other places where, uh, you know, you put your center on him. Once that started to happen, he kind of he kind of just looked uncomfortable or did not um, play as well as a live dribble player. He picked up his dribble early on. He's getting better at that in recent vintages of, of his game. And then I think that the defense is coming along and you can really – track how much better he's gotten at it even just within this season much less compared to where he was his rookie season obviously Josh Giddey is not going to be a point of attack defender if you ever have to rely on him as a point of attack defender on any team at any level of basketball it's not going to go well uh, but he can be a really good team defender which he has shown the last week uh, really well so if he can continue to do that and gain consistency doing that that'll be good for him uh, Lou Dort stock is trending up up, 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 because we know what he can do as a defensive player. We know what he is on that end. He's one of the best defenders in the NBA. He is credited by some of the top scores in the NBA as being, uh, you know, the, the, the toughest challenge that they face. But offensively, he's played more under control this year. He's played more efficiently this year, and he shot the ball better this year. He is playing within his role very well. And this is something that I think that, you know, he deserves a lot of credit for us because the last few seasons, each season we've been saying, you know, especially last season and then coming into this season, we've been saying like, hey, you know, the team's getting better around him. That should push him down the pecking order, thus making him more efficient. And then last year, the team got better and he still was taking some wild shots and was driving, uh, you know, kind of uh, wild to the rim. And he even used the word wild and out of control himself at media day. Like that's that he looked back on some of his shot attempts from last year and realized that like those just weren't good attempts. And, and he was right. They were not. Uh, and so this year he's finally kind of resigned into that role of, of not being the aggressor, not trying to do too much offensively. And it's netted him his most efficient season. And he's played really, really well. Um, and whenever you can play defense at his level and hit threes at the level he's hitting him, you make yourself an incredibly valuable player in the NBA. So I think that Ludwig stock is trending upward and you start to see whenever he sent that contract extension, yes, this is going to happen you know, for multiple extensions. 
yes, the dollar figure, the day that it was signed kind of hits you in the face, but as the cap, you know, rises, as things change in that way, the, the contract looks more reasonable. And then it's just the players get better. Like Lou Dort's gotten better since he signed that contract to where it's just the, the contract is no longer even something that's being discussed. And like when he first signed it, it was something that was dramatically discussed uh, uh, for the Thunder. And then J-Dub, J-Dub has to be training up. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's become uh, a lethal mid-range score. He's become uh, a better three-point you know, score where he's now shooting over 40% from beyond the arc. And then we know what he can do at the rim. Uh, he's improved that as well with his bulk and finishing through contra- uh, contact. He's also became uh, a guy who can go get a bucket. Like the, the playmaking stuff is nice as a passer and as a dribbler. He had that stuff in college. He had that stuff last year. But his ability to just ISO and go score, especially going to his left, uh, really ties things together where you can have um, a situation where you can stagger him and SGA and always kind of have someone who can kind of bail out possessions for you uh, the way that SGA can, the way that J-Dub can. So his stock's trending up. J-Dub is, is a all-star level player. He's an all-star caliber player this season. He's obviously not going to make it this season. Uh, and, and we can talk about all-star and how, how you know that conversation gets kind of loose because um, because of of the politics involved, the fan voting, um, just the the perception and the fact that you know, you're on a very talented team in Oklahoma City, where you have Chet going to compete for an All Star. He's ninth right now uh, in fan voting. SGA is going to be top in fan voting for for a long, long time. And to get a third guy in there, you got to be a really, really, really good team, which the Thunder can do. Uh, but nonetheless, Jada is an All Star caliber of player. Uh, Chet Holmgren is he going up? Is he going down? I think Chet Holmgren is obviously heading in the in the right direction, and he's climbing his stock now. For a rookie, stock watch going up is just saying that you're playing well because there's not really too much to compare it to, obviously. Uh, but I, I think that he's from his from even just looking at his college days. I think he's gotten better um, as a as a defender in space. I think he's gotten better as a play finisher. I think he's gotten better uh, just as a dribbler from where he was. Uh, in summer league, which we knew was going to happen, you can go back and listen to those summer league podcasts of of you know the, the the turnovers and stuff in summer league was a combination of a lot of different things. Where it's it's a totally different style of basketball in summer league, more comparable to the G League style. And I think that people you know will confuse that with like less talented. No, it's just like the G League and summer league. When you're in those settings, you are trying to get looks at players who you might sign, and and in the modern NBA. You want to sign up and load up on wings and guards, and like those are the guys you're going to look at. So there's not a ton of like centers, you know, true traditional centers in the G League and, and in summer league, and that's why the pace is so much higher. That's why the offense is so much higher because every team is playing with the Thunder play, where they're playing just like a ton of versatile wings from one to five. And they're getting out and running. They're pushing off misses. They're trying to score in transition, and it just racks up a ton and ton and ton of points. So the style of play is so much different than what it is in the NBA because you're just trying to evaluate an individual player. And so I think that like sometimes you can look at the G League and look at some of the funky stats that happen and some of the and some of the quirkiness of it and and think that that just means it's worse off basketball. It's just different basketball. I think that those those are some really really talented players in the G League and Summer League. But but with that being said, when you have you know a four wing lineup who are all trying to for the most part, fight for an NBA contract, uh, and you have a big man bring the ball to the court, it gets tougher to 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 maneuver in, in that space. And so obviously he came off of the, the massive injury as well, which made it tough. So like the turnover thing was overblown in summer league, but it has he has gotten cleaner handles in summer league. 
I think that his shot looks better. I, I, I think it looks a little bit more faster than it was at Gonzaga. Of course, that's very tough to tell on uh, on video than it is in real life. So I, I don't know if that's actually just a, kind of a, my imagination or having seen it in person now versus not seeing it in person in Gonzaga. But it looks a lot faster than it was at Gonzaga. So I think that Chet's just heading in the right direction as an elite defender, generational rim protector, uh, and the play finisher that people have been clamoring for in Oklahoma City. His ability to cut, his ability to play in the pick and roll, his ability to relocate and and, and play off the catch and, and, and catch and shoot opportunities, all that stuff is what makes this Thunder team go. And that's part of why people are a little bit hesitant on the Thunder of just like, you're relying on a rookie who has to make this team go with SGA and with J-Dub, and J-Dub's only a second-year player. Like, that, that that's where the scary part comes in. But I think that so far, they've, they've managed it very, very well. Uh, and and those are the guys that you're going to want to lean on this year and for the future because you know these are these are experience points that they're getting uh, for being in a role that they're going to be in for a long time of just consistently running the show, consistently you know being the top looked at guys to to score on this team and to play well on this team. Moving on, we're going to talk about the bench unit, but first I want to say right now, my good friends over at Price Picks. Price Picks is awesome. Price Picks is also available in Oklahoma, which is what makes it really, really awesome. I think that with prize picks, my favorite part is that you have so much flexibility. You can pick two to six players, and when you do, you go and you can do cross sports, so you can do this weekend. You can have an entry where you have two NFL players, two NBA players, and you watch both games and you see if you can win. And and, and I love the fact that it's daily fantasy sports made easy. It's just you the projected numbers, not you versus any other player. So you're not going to get matched up with someone who just knows way more about fantasy sports than you. You're just going to play the house on it on if you think that they're going to have more or less than their prize pick projections. But if you want to stick with the basketball, that's great. That's why we're here. And so when you look at the NBA, you might be saying, yeah, but you know, at any moment, somebody could pop on the injury report. That's where prize picks is so elite because prize picks, that's something that no one else does. Prize picks offers you a reboot policy in case of an injury that you made earlier, the player ends up getting hurt or the player ends up not playing. Prize Picks will give you that reboot. It's the only daily fantasy sports platform with that injury insurance policy. So go check them out today at Prize Picks. You can go and use it in Oklahoma, like we said, at prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use code LockedOnNBA for the first deposit match up to $100 at prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Also, want to tell you right now about our good friends over at LinkedIn, folks. LinkedIn.com slash locked on NBA. We understand what it's like running a small business. You, you have to ask yourself a ton of questions, and you're in charge of a ton as a small business owner. LinkedIn knows that to be successful, it all depends on the team that you surround yourself with. And with LinkedIn, LinkedIn jobs, they're going to create tools for you and have created tools for you to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. LinkedIn isn't the only you know, place for you, is the only place for you to go and put your job, post it up there on their vast network uh, with a billion professionals waiting to, to be placed for hire. And it makes hiring easy because you can give your, your candidates you know, and get your qualified candidates very fast because they give you so many resources to help best match the applicants with you. 86% of small businesses uh, get a qualified candidate within 24 hours because small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering 
qualified hires. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats that you might not have the time or resources to hire. But thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. So check it out today and post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. We're back on the Lockdown Theater Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day, talking to you about the Thunder Bench right now, Stockwatch edition. We did, we did the starters in the first segment. Let's do the bench here, and we still have to grade your takes uh, today, grade your, your fake trades, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're not going to get to all the fake trades, I don't think, today, but we'll save them and just continue to do them and roll them out uh, for, the, for the deadline. So if you missed the, the entry, don't worry. Still send in your fake trades and then we'll grade them on the show uh, as we lead up to the deadline. Let's start with Isaiah Joe. I think that Isaiah Joe is trending up for maybe not the reason that you think, right? Because I think people still view Isaiah Joe as this like sharpshooter, uh, three-point specialist. You know, he, you know, in December, he actually only shot 34% from three, but he was still so impactful with his ability to collect rebounds, with his ability to play defense and get out in transition, run the floor uh, to cap off possessions. He's a really nice cutter. And he just does the dirty work, even though his frame wouldn't suggest that he'd be a dirty work player. He absolutely is. And when you look at his body of work as a three-point shooter, I don't have any concerns with the fact that, you know, he he, he had a little dip in December. You know, 34% for him is a dip. But he's back up to 42% in, in January, and that includes, that's nine games already in January. That includes the the 0 for 5 game the other night, but he turns it around and goes 5 for 6, you know, the next night. So Isaiah Joe is going to be a lethal three-point shooter, but it's all the other things that he's added. It's the rebounding, it's the defense, and it's the ability to create uh, stops on that end, either by high-pointing a rebound or by diving for a loose ball or by being top half in the NBA uh, in drawing offensive fouls. Whatever it is, he's able to get the Thunder uh, a spark, either by knocking down five in a row threes or by playing high-level basketball on the other end. He's became a complete player, and he's trending in the right direction because he's proven over the last year, last year and this year, that he's a playoff player. Sometimes you get you know these these three-point specialists, and and when they're six four and one sixty-five, like you get these three-point specialists, and they just can't play in the postseason. You're going to get played off the floor in a slower game. You're hunting mismatches. If you hunt Isaiah Joe in the pick and roll, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. Like, obviously, he's not going to be Lou Dort, but he's not going to be a, a traffic cone out there. Like, he is going to scrap, and he's going to get deflections, and he's going to get stops. And so you can handle that because of his shooting that he brings you, because of the offense that he brings you as well. Let's go Case and Wallace. Again, with rookies, it's a bit tougher because there's there's not an NBA comparison. But Case and Wallace, just you have to be feeling good about stock that you bought in Case and Wallace because he's such an you know, elite level baseline defender. Like, like, like the baseline for his defense shows you that he's going to be an elite defender sooner than later. You can look at this week alone and see how he defends LeBron, James Harden, and all these guys. Like, he's going to be an elite defender. And then the three point shot. You know, seems real. And again, this is another guy who's who's who uh, had a little bit of a dip in December uh, compared to where he was. But where he was was a was a you know 
unrealistic, like unreplicatable high. Right? Like you're not going to shoot eighty percent from three. You're just not. And that's what he did in October. You're not going to. You're not going to shoot fifty-two percent from three. And that's what he did in November. He dips down to thirty percent in December, and now he's at thirty-two percent in January. It's like these are these are two of the dips that have that have kind of come back to earth a little bit. But you know, whenever you dive into his numbers in college, you know, in conference play, he, he shot forty percent from three. Like he has a, a nice sample size of shooting well from three. So I do buy that three-point shot. I, I do buy that he can be an elite defender and will be an elite defender in the NBA. And then he also has that kind of just dirty work to him or or uh, kind of that that ability to scrap for, for opportunities. And for an undersized team, they need those scrappers. Let's continue on talking about the bench. Let's go to Poku. Poku stock is trending so far down. Poku stock would be like investing in glass bottled milk right now or investing in a dodo bird farm. It just would not be good for you to invest in Poku stock. Great person. All that good stuff qualifiers. He can't even dress on these nights. He's a, you know, Impending restricted free agent next year. We know how the Thunder have operated with restricted free agents. He isn't even active on most nights to even be sitting on the bench in uniform. Most nights he's sitting in street clothes. The writing's on the wall with Poku. Like that that has to just be trending horrendously down with Poku. Let's continue. Let's talk Olivier Saar. Olivier Saar. I just think that he's he's trending down in the sense of, or at least like middling. Like I would say middling because trending down is like a bad connotation. I know people like Olivier Saar. Olivier Saar is my looks like theory where it's just like, he looks like he's a big man. He looks athletic and he looks like just this, this awesome, you know, true five. And he gets a ton of blocks and he's just awesome. When in reality, he's just a block chasing rim roller. He chases a lot of blocks, so he's out of position and gets scored on a lot at the rim, even at the G League level. And he gets some blocks, which which makes it feel like, oh gosh, look at him. He's he's a big man. And yes, you know, he he can use his body and box out and get some boards because he's seven feet tall, and that's awesome. But like he is still not this like overly physical, traditional big man who can go and play down low against all the tough matchups. And so when I see people like clamoring like why aren't the thunder playing sar more whenever they have such this size deficiency i just i don't think that he's like the the secret formula to the to all of this i don't think that he is the the big that you think he is i think that he looks like it, it it's sort of like you know eric cosmer versus billy butler like eric cosmer much better looking ball player billy butler was was a better player than eric cosmer in baseball that's that a bad comparison because it's baseball and i don't think a lot of people like care about royals baseball especially how bad they were uh, in the Billy Butler era, but still, you know, Sar looks the part, doesn't necessarily play the part. You know, and, and then Lindy Waters, I, I think that he's just middling because he's just continuing to be what he's always been at the NBA level. He's a he's a solid team defender. He's a guy who's a shooter in name only, right? Like he's billed as a sharpshooter. He misses a bulk of his wide open catch and shoot shots. Uh and he does not just shoot the lights out of the gym. He is a player who makes a ton of great reads in the sense of when you have him on the court, he's not going to cost you a possession. 
He's not going to throw the ball away. He's not going to do something something silly. He's just going to he's going to do his job. But it's to the level of of, of extent of like what level can he do that job at? He's going to he's going to make the right decisions. But even when you make those right decisions, how often can it be successful? And so that's why I'm saying that that Lindy Waters is middling. Kathy Johnson trending up. Kathy Johnson has been incredible in the G League, uh, and, and I think that he's not beating down the door of NBA opportunity. He's a really good rebounder, especially for his size, but a really good rebounder just in general. The technique of rebounding is not lost on Keontae Johnson. He has it on the glass. He's a really good transition threat. He's a really good cutter. Uh, he's a he's a really good dunker spot option if you want to kind of sit him there and use him as a safety valve off of drives. And then defensively, I really buy into Keontae Johnson's defense. And that shot continues to fall at a 40% clip from three. Something he did at Kansas State, something he did now in the G League, like th- that shot is just pure. So I, I think that Kathy Johnson sooner than later should should be beating down the door uh, for NBA chances. Uh, Usman Jang, I'm going to say Usman Jang is trending up slightly. Like it's not as though like it's not as though if you've invested in Usman Jang, you are making money hand over fist, but you're also not losing money. Like I know that that whenever you only pay attention to the NBA the NBA level and he only plays, you know, five, 10, 12 minutes. And in those minutes and in those situations, it feels like every game's dire. Cause I, I do believe that the vast majority of this Thunder fan base has that football brain where like every game is a make or break game and we, we overanalyze every possession. That sometimes you can get lost in that and not realize how much better Usman Chang is than where he was as a rookie. He is a better player, he is a more comfortable player. He is a more decisive player. He is a more aggressive player. He's making these in- incremental increases. And that's not to say that he's ready for, for bulk NBA opportunity or bulk NBA rotation minutes. I, I was the first one to say that you know Aaron Wiggins should have been should have never had a DNP CD, even if that means that you don't try out Usman Jang. Um, but nonetheless, he's played well in the G League, not shooting the ball well from three in the G League, but overall, he's just looked the part better as a as a more confident player, just, just his, his sure offensive force pops off the screen. So he has gotten better, and his stock is turning up. And that it might be surprising to hear um, if you only pay attention to the NBA, but he is getting better as a player. The question is for Usman Jang, how much better and how quickly can he get better? How much better can he get as a shooter? And when will his developmental process kind of be accelerated? Because you know you, you're you're going to have halfway through this season right now. I don't think Usman Jang is a guy that you want to rely on in the rotation right now in, at the NBA level. I don't know if he'll get there this season. Then you're going to have a slew of roster changes this summer. Then you're going to have a new crop of young players who are going to be developing, and then pretty soon you start to see how the game passes you by. And so I think that the, the, this summer was huge for Usman Jang. He is a completely different player, you know, in the sense of. I struggle to say mentally because I, I don't even know where his head was at last year. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not inside these guys' minds. But last year he was not decisive at all. He shied away even in the G League. He did not want the ball in the G League. He he just he did not play with any sort of offensive force in the G League. This year it's the complete it's the complete opposite. He is in charge of that G League team. He wants the ball. He wants the opportunity. He wants the possession. He wants the takeover. He does those things exactly the way you want to in the G League, which is why he got rewarded with NBA minutes. 
And I think that his NBA minutes were good. It just so happens that like the team-wide minutes were not good. And so I think that that kind of put a, a damper on things with Usman as well. But the big thing is going to be his shooting. That's going to be the key for a lot of players in the modern NBA. Can you shoot the ball well from three? To this point, he has not, uh, but but we'll see from Usman Jang. Uh, that was Bertans, middling. Uh, Micic heading up. Bertans, they're not going to middling. I mean, it's just Bertans. Bertans is Bertans. Is Bertans. Micic trending up. He's getting more comfortable. He's looking better uh, up against NBA athletes uh, and sharing the floor with them. So I think that, that, that Micic is heading in the right direction. Let's pause now before we finish out the roster real quick uh, to discuss our good friends over at Game Time. I love Game Time. You know that I love Game Time. GameTime.com. Use code LOCKEDINNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Why I think Game Time is so great is that the NBA is like our bread and butter, right? You're listening to this podcast every day. I appreciate that. Uh, when you want to go to an NBA game, sort of what we're talking about with prize picks, like whenever, whenever you want to go to an NBA game, you never really know who's going to play, who's questionable, who will get upgraded, who will get downgraded. And so you want to wait until you know for sure who you're going to go see, right? Just because a certain team's in down doesn't mean their star players are going to play. And with game time, they afford you that opportunity to wait because they have the last minute tickets Lowest prices guaranteed. So go there right now to Game Time and check them out. That's Game Time. Use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, create your account. Redeem code Locked On L O C K E D O N for twenty dollars off your first purchase at the Game Time app today because they have last minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals, uh, the best prices. They have uh, event cancellation protection. They have job loss protection. They have everything you need, including a view from your seat in each venue so you know what you're signing up for. So check it out today at game time for those last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. So I think that Micic is heading in the right direction. I think that he's getting more comfortable around NBA players. He's he's playing better offensively. Uh, he, he is just overall a better player in January than he was at the start of the season in the NBA, uh, getting more minutes and getting more opportunity. Also, he's just learned the game more at the NBA level, which we knew that a player his his caliber would figure it out around this time. Uh, Jay Will, I think, is middling. Like Jay Will, Jay Will has not been a totally different player than he was last year. He's also not, he's also not been worse than he was last year. He's just been Jay Will. Like Jay Will is is a nice floor spacing option uh, who who can take up minutes in the innings. Aaron Wiggins, I think Aaron Wiggins is trending up from his like overall player developmental standpoint. Uh, I would like to see him, of course, get more minutes. I, I think that he can do everything on the floor and play exceptionally well. I give Wiggins uh, in his opportunities given an A minus B plus type of season. Uh, Kenrich Williams, the last one, Kenrich Williams. I think that Kenrich Williams could be middling right now. Of he's certainly not turning downward, but I'm not sure what what the next gear is for him. I think that this is just the role he's going to be in. Like, this is just who he's going to be. And so you can let this thing ride and, and accumulate money for you over time because Kenneth Williams is going to bring in the city. He's going to bring um, the grit and grind. And that three-point shot, I, I think, is legit. I do worry about the free throws. I'm not I'm not sure about the free throws. The free throws are kind of concerning. Uh, and, then I, and then I think that over the last couple of games, he might have looked a step or two slow, but I'm sure that'll all be ironed out with time. This is a very brutal part of the schedule, especially for you know an older player on the roster 
an older player who also had uh, the, the back issues at the start of the season. Uh, so monitor that as well. But their stock watch on every single player, who's going up, who's going down. Give me your players on who you think is going up and down um, afterward as well. So the fake trades, let's, there's a lot of them. And so we're already at, at like 32 minutes. Let's, I did not think that Stockwatch would take that long. I do apologize. Let's save these fake trades for Monday. We're going to recap the Jazz game uh, tonight. We're going to recap the Timberwolves game on Sunday. Let's save the fake trades for Monday. So if you want to get your fake trades in, you can do it on YouTube. You can do it on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. And let's talk about this game against the Jazz. So Oklahoma City comes into this game 0-2 on the road trip. They lost to the Lakers. They lost to the Clippers on a back-to-back. Now they go face the red-hot Jazz in Utah. To this point in the season, the Thunder have not had more than a two-game losing streak. But this is a dangerous part of their schedule. Now, luckily, you know, it, it, you know they have the, the Trailblazers coming up next week to kind of stop the bleeding. But you have the Red Hot Jazz today. You have Minnesota in Minnesota, who's been a thorn in your side for a while now, on Saturday. This could spiral into like a 0-3, 0-4, one-win type of road trip. Which is okay, which is normal. Like the Jazz are nine and one in their last ten games. They're on a six-game uh, high right now. They are fi- fifteen and five at home. The altitude plays a part in that as well. But just beware that like a four-game losing streak is not out of their own possibility, and is also look. You never want to go on a four-game losing streak, but it's also not the end of the world in the in the NBA. This happens to a lot of teams. It happened the last year's Thunder team multiple times, and they still got where they wanted to go. The Kings are on a three-game losing streak right now. Like You've seen teams go on uh, bad stretches and still end up being quality NBA teams. So uh, it could happen circumstantially, the back-to-back, the, the five games and seven nights, the tough January. And then you caught the Jazz at the wrong time. You caught Minnesota on the road, who's always going to be a tough game for you and a tough matchup for you. So we'll see. I think that this is going to be, if the Thunder can somehow salvage a 2-2 two and two, or even just win one of these next two games, I think that that would be a really good testament to just what this young team is made of. Like, this Thunder team, despite the red-hot jazzness, the jazz being scorching hot and the, and the horns playing brutally loud, despite that, the Thunder are the better team. The Thunder are the much better team, much more talented team. If the Thunder can come into this game and handle the altitude, handle the road environment, handle the momentum Utah has, handle the, the you know, licking their wounds of the last two games. If they can come in and win this game, that, that'd be huge for them. And that'd be huge for kind of setting the tone of what this team is. And and I guess I guess we shouldn't say setting because it's midway through the season, but continuing the tone of what the tone has been and, and tenor has been so far this season for Oklahoma City. And then you head to Minnesota, tough, tough game, uh, but you're going to get up for a game like that wherever it's the top two teams in the West going at it. So let's see what they can do against Utah. We're going to have the recap for you right here on the Lockdown Thunder podcast, uh, including on YouTube and any other podcasting platforms that you you may have. Subscribe for free. Uh, And also follow me on Twitter and threads at Ryland underscore styles. And until tomorrow when we recap this jazz game, be good and be good to one another.